Welcome to Spies Like Us, the podcast where we talk about the representation of tradecraft uh, on screens small and large. Here today with David to uh, finish up our discussion about the Netflix series The Spy, starring Sasha Baron Cohen uh, as uh, an, in a story supposedly inspired by the true adventures of Eli Cohen, Ellie Cohen is how they pronounce it, um, in the 1960s. How did it take me all the way until today to realize the actor and the character have the same last name? (laughs) That's, that's, that's odd for me to let something like that slip past. I caught Um, it. I actually didn't know somebody else directed it until we started doing the show. I thought this was his baby project. I know he produced it. He produces it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely something he cares about. Who knows though? He might produce all his own stuff. Yeah, I I kind of feel like he might be that kind of guy. Yeah, and then just finds people that can do the tech or art behind the camera type stuff. And sure, kind of comes up with concept. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see him as as being a um, you know, like a the full like o- taking one hundred percent ownership of of his work i mean he has he has to have that going on with like the ollie g and the borat kind of stuff oh absolutely it's not like anybody else came up to him and said like hey can you do uh this kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah um yeah so bully for him no i i feel like if there was any kind of relationship that uh that would have been mentioned you know yeah yeah in the in the press I actually did some looking into Ellie Cohen after finally finishing the show. And um, it, it seems like a lot of the show exaggerated a lot of stuff, either that or the guy that knew Ellie Cohen might've been downplaying what he did for security reasons, but um, he was definitely that kind of a hero. But I think they mentioned a few things that were like, no, he, he didn't do that. Or, you know, so I, I think they might have taken some creative uh, freedoms. On I the find a lot. I I do find a lot of that kind of stuff, and I find some contradictory stuff. Oh, um, you know, and who knows? You know, Wiki is not the you know be all end all source for sure. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, some of the stuff I read uh, found on um, the Britannica mm-hmm. website. I think I. I think Britannica is a little more like editored, edited, um, editored. Yeah. <laughs> Fact checked. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. So again, without going too far ahead, um, I did promise you this uh, episode was going to take a hard, this series was going to take a hard left turn in episode five. What did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, this act, the, I, I noticed there's a, a new writer has, uh, appeared into the mix, um, uh, that, uh, Gideon Raft doesn't have complete ownership of now. So episode four, five, and six was co-written by Max Perry and, uh, finishing the series, uh, things start to seem more like human and not like jagged so it seems like gideon raff is like the idea guy and maybe max perry came in and helped some of the dialogue because people started talking like normal people uh in these last couple episodes 
<laughs> oh, oh, you mean the dialogue feels better to you? That and the cuts and j- just, just the whole package seemed a little bit more natural and not like uh, a, an alien wrote the story. Dude, I agree. Uh, five, five, and six are are the money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know everything else is uh, just get getting us up to here. And um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Getting us to here could have been could have been a little less rocky of a road. Um. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about what we like and maybe what we don't like about episode five. Um, I love the coup. I didn't see oh, this yeah. shit. I didn't see this shit coming. <laughs> but I was um, like, goddamn. Yeah, they. I think they finished off episode four when he meets the author and is asked to join Bath. That they told him, "We want you to throw parties and invite these people to your parties." So that that was our big cliffhanger. Like, ooh, what's this going to? Yeah, and that was a perfect teaser. Yeah. Perfect teaser. Just enough information to say, hmm, wow, where is this going to go? Yeah. The parties are super lavish and tons of debauchery, lots of, like, sex and drinking and drugs. And he's got a lot of bigwigs uh, in in government and military, just orgies all over the house. It, it, uh, yeah, (laughs) that was an interesting sequence to watch. Sure. Uh, from my understanding, okay, so let's see. One of the big things, oh, and I, uh, damn it, now I'm tracking all over myself. Uh, as far as the factual accuracy, um, I wanted to mention that I'm actually kind of surprised at how little clarity there seems to be. And let's remember that, you know, he was captured and killed in Damascus, you know, mm-hmm. so he never got a fi- you know, final debriefing. Um, Syrian politics seem to me the kind where, I mean, we already see like in this show, like how much, like, it seems like their whole economy, it's a misinformation based economy. It seems like, (laughs) right. So I feel like there's so much that, um, you know, especially about his, his final, uh, end, but like, there's so much that might, you know, be misrepresented, uh, on that side. And I, Really appreciate you bringing up that uh, the Israelis as well have reasons to uh, uh, shine higher lights on certain things. And and maybe some of his accomplishments might have been, you know, uh, actually downplayed. Certain of his accomplishments might have been highlighted and others being downplayed. Yeah. Um, but as far as the party goes, and you just mentioned bigwigs, and that's what triggered me, because that seems to be one of the biggest things in contention is how high a level uh, his uh, ring of influence did he uh, graduate up to. Uh-huh. Um, the, the highest level that I think we have total confirmation of is Matsi, real guy, nephew of the commander in chief. Everything above that is not like independently verified. So I, yeah, I saw a quick, you know, I, I did a little bit of YouTubing on some documentary stuff, and I saw an interview with um, the general who became president. Uh, crap, I forgot his name, but um, the the guy that ends up running the coup and becomes president. Uh huh. He had said, "Yeah, I was in Argentina these years. 
uh, Cohen was in Argentina these years. We we never oh, met. Right. Yeah. He denies. Yes. He he denies knowing him personally. No, he could be lying, but yeah, uh, it seems it seems like this kind of like he said. There's some contradictions on storytelling from some of this stuff. And one of the big ones is the um, uh, skipping ahead. This appointment to the deputy director of defense. That is at least mildly disputed. I even saw one account that said that office doesn't even exist in Syria. Oh, really? <laughs> that seems like something fairly easy to um, to validate. Uh, some that say that he did achieve the office. Some that said that he was just being considered for it at the time. Um, so, but but the parties happened, and. Uh, that's something else he was like really known for. And we're just seeing this one party, but at least the general does. Let's see now, not the general that's going to run the coup, but the commander in chief who's about to um, have his stock drop quite a lot. Oh, the uncle. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, God lost the train Lost the train of thought, but the parties did happen. There was a lot of drinking, a lot of people coming in and out, and he was getting a lot of information just by pretending to be drunk and, uh, you know, encouraging everyone else to get loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else on the party? I, I like this because it kind of worked, it, I, I, you know, um, I don't know how accurate like the people who were at the parties were, but the fact that he gets recruited by bath and then asked by bath to throw these parties really kind of secures his cover. And on top of that, all of this works really well for Mossad and bath. Um, so it, 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 it helps them play off a lot of stuff, you know, especially when, when the bath take over, you know, uh, all, a lot of stuff he could just write off as like, oh yeah, I was working for Bath, you know, rather uh, while he's like just shooting information to Mossad. Oh sure, yeah, it's a it's a massive stroke of luck to um, just happen, you know, in the shifting shifting sands of Syrian politics to have just happened to have, um, well, in with the exception of Matsi, uh. Well, to I guess he's actually made friends on both sides, and he can ride whichever train uh, reaches the station first. Yeah, you know if the if the bath had um, gotten into serious problems, he could have just switched his loyalty harder over onto the Matsi and Matsi's uncle side. Yeah, exactly, and profited from that. Either way. Um, so I guess stroke of luck, but also maybe just him being savvy enough to, uh, really, uh, sniff out which way the wind is blowing and, and be sure that, uh, when the bodies start hitting the floor, he's on the side of the guys holding the guns. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, yeah, like they teased the party. I'm so excited. And then I'm watching episode five and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. And then fucking coup. This is all before the credits, too. And then after the credits, it says one year later. Yeah. I lost my mind right there. That's, that's <laughs> the time I texted you. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn, this this show just just turned a corner. 
Um, and and speaking of the coup too, and this is going to be consistent for me throughout uh, five and six. It's at this point, um, Doctor Bashir, which is what we're calling Swidani because we love him from Deep Space Nine, Mister Alexander Siddig, uh, becomes just um, I my favorite character in the show. He's so fucking good in all his scenes. Yeah, it's great. Like, um, the uh, as for as far as the coup before, since we're moving over, I I did want to say it kind of sucked for him that they killed the general, the commander in chief, because he already kind of climbed that ladder and then like did kind of like a sidestep, and and ends up with the bath, and now he's lost like a big person in the military position. I mean. Being homies with the new president and the new like secret police head guy um, is, is probably a plus for him, but um, it it just I, it was just something I was thinking about watching them like you know take out. I was like, oh shit, there goes an asset. You know what I mean? And and because of it, Matsi's like stock plummeted because he's the nephew of the commander in chief, and nobody wants to work. Like he's they when they show him, he's kind of like lonely by himself, just working like a regular job because he's like the the pre government. Yeah, the old the old he's he's part of the old regime, right? So they're not super gonna... super direct ties, you know, familial ties to the old regime. So he definitely can't, you know, stay in the military. Oh yeah, and so that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, it I, it was just something I thought about. I never really kind of thought about this stuff. Like when you're kind of uh, balancing a bunch of balls type of thing, um, and and how quickly like you can lose an entire faction like that. You know what I mean? Because not only did he lose the commander in chief, he lost the nephew and probably everybody else within that like clique. And and now it's all gone. Even though he's like in a good place and probably a higher connected place now, but it's still it was just something that like hit me. I was like, oh, oh well, I guess that's over, you know. And 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 uh, yeah, it was just something that kind of kind of hit me that I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that switching of one track to the other, um, it's one of several things in, especially in episode five and six that. Uh, I really like that. I said to myself, you know, I, this is something I've never seen a spy movie or TV show, uh, have involved in it. Yeah. It's, there, there was a lot of, that's what I was kind of saying. Like, even though like a lot of the execution bugged me, there's a lot of really good ideas that I liked, you know what I mean? And, and, and it seems like there's a lot of things that would have worked really well that you don't get to see in a lot of spy content. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh the 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 immediate dialogue scene right after the one year later is when you know, and now the the radio DJ has been promoted to the uh, uh minister of information. Which is so like I don't even know how that he was just a regular radio DJ that it made the announcement and now he's like, you know, wait that is that like equivalent of like a like the DCI for Syria is that is that what you would consider? I'm um, sorry, DCI. Yeah, would that, would that be like the director of intelligence? I mean, if you're in charge of information, that kind of that kind of has that. No, same no, I think minister minister of inf- well, okay, well, minister of information. Oh yeah, because I had thought, well, minister of information, you're just in charge of propaganda, more like a Goebbels kind of role. Um, but now that you bring it up. If that was 
his job, then he's got a lot of stuff in his safe with a lot of details about operations that he wouldn't need to know about as the minister of propaganda. In fact, you probably the last person that should know about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that's a, uh, that's a uh, eyebrow raiser for me. I'm not sure what his, <laughs> what his, his duties were, but the point I wanted to make is um, that this, this first scene where now, Ellie is hanging out with the, again, like the new minister of information. And that guy is having a conversation with him that just totally highlights and, and stresses the instability and paranoia of high level Syrian politics. Uh-huh. Um, and also seeing Matsi, poor Matsi now uh, out in the crowd, now a nobody uh, we're simultaneously seeing how fast one person's uh, fortunes can rise, how fast one person's fortunes can fall. Mm-hmm. And all of this is during a conversation about how fast someone could fall under suspicion and be thrown in jail. Um, it's just, it's a really excellently written scene, you know, to me for a, for a one year later to just kind of sum up, and and showcase like well it's also like a foreboding like a foreshadowing of what's to come you know what i mean um uh, like just because we just saw how quick it happened before the credits and then you know big spoiler alert we see how big it happens for ellie cohen at the end and that's probably a good like just a good storytelling technique too now that i'm thinking about it is um you know, the fact that it happened so fast in the show and how much it surprised me was something I found delightful. Mm-hmm. But there's also, uh, I guess, you know, maybe that meta thinking of like, if we spring it on the audience really hard, then it, it like on a meta level, it underscores just how fast this kind of shit could happen in Syria. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you're getting the fact and the feeling at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, one thing I really also loved in uh, we got we got a little cool tradecraft we should definitely point out, um, you know Ellie being trained to watch mirrors and reflections catches the 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 new president come like coming into the room and just starts like top talking at the top of his lung how much he loves that he's taken over and what a bright future Syria has, and and the president thinks he's he gets to hear what people are talking about behind his back you know what I mean I, I thought that was clever. Uh, just like deepening the roots of, you know, the relationship between him and the president. That is some good stuff. That is some good stuff. Um, I think, I think we should talk about the big operation that kind of overshadows everything. Um, I think like almost, yeah, overshadows is the right word. Everything uh, for these final two episodes. And that's the Shalal. Mm Mm-hmm. Operate or did I get? Oh, halal. Yeah, the yeah. Well, the shalal is the mission. That's the pumping mission that we'll get into later. Um, oh, think, it is shalal. Yeah, I had it written down once without the without the s. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What can you tell us? What can you tell us about that? Did you under Did you understand it correctly? Absolutely. So there's the the lake in Israel or the Sea of Galilee. 
right? Which is like a huge water supply for Israel. And it's just historically a huge deal. Um, uh, now that is in Israel. Um, the, the, the Syrian president has been working with Mohammed bin Laden. And we actually get a little tiny scene with baby little Osama. Um, I think they just threw that in there for a wink to the audience. Oh, I, want uh, to compl- I want to complain a little more loudly about that, but keep going. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's working with uh, bin Laden's dad, Mohammed bin Laden, uh, who has done enormous construction projects throughout the Middle East. And the plan is, is to set up a huge water pumping plan, agricultural kind of, uh, what's that word with the like the the water infrastructure? I forgot what that's called. Um, but they're going to pump those two rivers that feed into the Sea of Galilee that are not in Israel, and they're basically going to use giant like piping and um, just water um, systems that are going to pump all the water out of the rivers to basically drain the Sea of Galilee, which is gonna fuck israel badly like that's like like you know you could talk about attacks and like things like that but like you're cutting off like people's an entire country's like survival you know what i mean like 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 you like poisoning their their food supply or something like where they couldn't grow grain or something you know like they're literally removing the basic need of life which is their water supply Yeah, sorry, I had to uh, st- uh, turn my head to cough. Did you finish? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It's it's grand. That is that is that is a grand and ambitious and and in uh, insidious plan. Yeah, it's pretty uh, fucked up. <laughs> never, I've never heard about that. Um, so, as far as uh, okay, Obama or Osama, Osama, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is the sort of bullshit that if it had happened in the first episode, I probably wouldn't have made to the second. (laughs) It is such, it is such like a, a winky bullshit Easter egg that makes no sense. Like Osama is one of, I believe 35 of Mohammed's kids. Right. (laughs) And we see the one. (laughs) <laughs> right and he's like oh osama run along now yeah <laughs> yeah it was so forced that you know what it reminded me of you know you're the one that showed me the plinkett reviews of the star wars prequels i think one of his like uh compliments of the prequels was like nowhere in this trilogy did we have to see that scene where luke and leia are born and there's just a little han solo walking around the ship and he gets to like shake little luke and leia's hands you know he was like nowhere in the film does this exist but in the spy that scene does exist we get like this jam just shoehorned in scene hey by the way that's osama bin laden's dad and he's gonna say run along there little osama like (laughs) yeah Yeah. horrible yeah um but uh yeah but okay so this is i mean again this is a great opportunity he fails at getting muhammad to tell him anything about what the equipment's for um but at the very least they're going to uh they're gonna go ahead and arrange the transfer of equipment the sale of equipment and just put a transmitter in in that shit and at least know where it's going 
Um, so I guess they had to suss out for themselves. They had to deduce for themselves what it was for, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Uh, so maybe that's something that no, uh, the president explained it to him, didn't he? Oh yes, you're right. Because uh, he he was caught snooping around the office or something, uh, and he basically tells him, or is this when he brings up the minister of defense? But basically, like, uh, it's pretty obvious that Ellie's or um. Callum is his cover name. He's upset that something's going on that he doesn't understand and he doesn't feel comfortable. So they kind of let him know, Hey, this is our plan. The, the sea of Galilee might be in Israel, but not these two rivers feeding into it. And we're going to pump it out. And he rushes to get that information out. Yes. Yes. And, um, on the annoying pile, I'm going to put the fact that, uh, um, Bashir. Okay. So there's the fact that, uh, and I was worried about the idea of letting, letting, having him let other people use his place when he's not home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the minister of, uh, information, I guess has got a dalliance with his secretary that he doesn't need other people to know about. So right. that's going on. That was a big concern for me until I saw him, you know, going in and taking that opportunity. Ah, I know exactly where the guy is and what he's doing. I'm going to get into his office and find right. out all the cool stuff that he's got in his safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, okay, so that's that's good. Uh, what's what's annoying to me as an audience member is tr- is basically pulling the same trick on me, like Lucy and Charlie Brown and the football – Mm-hmm. You're a second time going to have Bashir show up this time with soldiers and say, you got to come with me mm-hmm. and, and make me feel like, Oh shit. But once again, it's a fucking, it's a happy thing. Yeah. So like later in the show, this is something we see presaged in, in um, episode six when Bashir shows up now with a hundred soldiers, like at this point, I'm expecting it to be a fucking surprise birthday party. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they played that trick on us so many times. It really bothers me when directors play tricks on the audience, unless it like, if it, if it's something that makes sense, like, okay, I get why you played the trick on us, you know, but like he did it so many times in this show where it was like, oh, this is a tense moment. Oh, it turns out to be okay. Everything's fine. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Oh, we're going to give you the Minister of Defense position. Like, it, it it was so tense in that moment. I thought that they might have gotten on to Ellie at that point and were offering him the Minister of Defense as, like, a test or, like, a fuck you. Like, in, uh, what, what did we just watch where that happened? Oh, in the Bureau. Where where the the guy catches his secretary like trying to plant the bugs on him and he's like oh by the way I'm gonna give you a raise here here's some shoes for you to wear on their way out when you get murdered you know like that's what I was expecting that's how cynical I am and and how on the nose this show is right um man oh and then why why is he showing up with soldiers. I mean, if it's, you know, go find, go find the dude. I want to offer him a job. Okay. I'll take two of my best men (laughs) with me just in case there's trouble. Yeah. (laughs) That that part didn't make sense to me. Um, 
I'm get, I want to come back. There's stuff in episode five that gives us uh, some cause to be alarmed about Ellie's uh, use of the transmitter. Mm-hmm. But I want to save that and, and ball it all up in episode six. Um, and I guess moving into episode six, um, I got, oh God, I feel, I feel like I'm just fucking quibbling too much, but, uh, I just want to anyway. I, I didn't like the way they tried to fool us with what's happening with Nadia with like, what part of the timeline is this? Mm-hmm. Um, they're showing her in black and white or at least like deeply grayed out. Uh, and we're seeing simultaneous and, and we're not sure what's going on or what time frame this is. Um, and then simultaneously we're seeing Bashir get ready with his again, like a hundred soldiers. Why? Like that's, it, that seemed like awfully, awfully, um, overkill. Uh, and then that part's in color. And previously what we've seen is like, for some reason, all the scenes in Israel are the grayed out ones and all the scenes with him abroad are the color ones. So like, it doesn't make sense either way. I get that you're using a slightly different color palette to indicate these things are not happening at the same time, mm-hmm. but you're not following con- consistent rules on it. No. Um, Cause at the beginning of episode six, when they showed the future, then jump back the future where it was the wife, it was kind of black and white, right? When, when they're taking her to the, the embassy in Paris, the Syrian embassy in Paris. Um, That's uh, the part I'm talking about. Right. But, but later on in episode six, it's current time. It's just in Israel and they use it in black and white. So I, I'm wondering if it's a creative decision to where he's saying, Oh, he's so like engulfed in this life being Kamo that's what's in color and him trying to come back to his real life is in black and white. And there's the foreshadowing of his death, but you're, you're right. I don't like it. There's, there's a lot of inconsistencies mainly because of the time jump we're in the future. Then we go backwards. Now we're current time. Now he's still doing this color black and white trick. Right. And we were in the future in the very first scene of episode one. I went back and checked. It's in full color. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about, about like not just not obeying rules Yeah, uh, that you're setting for yourself of what things mean. So, I mean, it was effective in that it really threw me off of like, what is going on here? What, what are these time periods? Which of these is happening first? But, um, I mean, effect, effective, but annoying enough about that. I figured, um, I'll go now that we've mentioned again the hundred soldiers. I didn't count them, but there's there's a lot. Uh, I want to mention that uh, I want to give a tip to the president of Syria, uh, which is okay. I guess I got to set this up a little more. So Bashir is going to capture Ellie and catch him red-handed, and then tell the president about it. Mm-hmm. Now. First of all, why is this? Uh, Maybe it's because the president, you know, I come and say like, hey, I'm suspicious of your deputy director of defense. I think he's a spy and should throw him in jail. 
and the president being like, oh, God, Bashir, this is like, what, the third one this month? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough is enough. Yeah. Um, because this wouldn't be the first time the deputy director of defense has been thrown into jail under Bashir's orders. But uh, so, so he did it without that guy's knowledge. And that's why I want to give just a little tip uh, to the uh, president of Syria Anytime that anybody in your administration can round up a hundred soldiers to arrest someone without your knowledge, that's a problem that you need to address. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) That's not, that's not something, I mean, okay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that kind of shit going on behind your back is, is not something that you should, uh, sleep on. Right. (laughs) So we get, okay, so we got two big things happening. We got Shalal and we got the deputy director of defense thing happening. And people in Israel are losing their minds over both of these opportunities. And this is cool. This is another thing I think I don't think I've seen uh, in any or at least many other spy stories is where we have this huge opportunity. Like the thing is, you know, like Beeman is saying, look, if we attack the Shalal operation, there's probably only a very few people that know about that. That's really going to compromise Ellie and we should pull him out and he should be done. Like he's done enough. Well, the, isn't that what they try to do? And 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 I guess the the people upstairs are like, no, this is way more important than risking one guy, you know. Uh, which which I guess is like a decision that needs to be made. Um, but considering how he got caught, I'd, I'd like to think they could put in more safety measures. Like I I know I understand that they had nobody in Syria. And it was difficult to get Ellie in and had this like well long drawn out plan. But I would like to think like getting like, I don't know, a, a dishwasher into Syria sh- shouldn't be more difficult than getting a giant business tycoon into Syria. Right. Like I'd, I'd like to think that they could get a dishwasher who would be the Morse code guy and, and, and just separate the signals and the human intelligence, you know what I mean? So that this kind of thing doesn't happen. And the other thing that bugged me is why are they doing the signals at the exact same time every day? Uh, I, I would think like in Mossad headquarters, you'd have people on 24 hours waiting for signals because your guy in a fucking very dangerous, deep undercover position might need to send a signal at any time. So why set a pattern? You know what I mean? Like, that's what kind of makes me a little uneasy about this setup, especially since they're like, no, we're sending you back in. Cause this is such a big deal. You're our ace in the hole. That's a very valuable asset. I would do everything I can to protect it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and I, I'm assuming Mossad intelligence has the capacity in the seventies to pick up signals. Why would they just assume that Syria can't, I, I don't know. So you just opened up two cans of worms that I I want to address both of them. 
Um, one of one of which, actually, I don't think I was necessarily going to bring up because I was on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt I felt personally eh, kind of strongly about it, but I thought, well, maybe you're just thinking of nothing. But you brought up almost word for word my concern about him being the sole agent, and if this opportunity is indeed so, uh, you know, okay, the Shalal thing, we got that obviously. That's number one. We're taking care of that, right? Uh, right. <laughs> if we if we have between two choices, we can have water or we can have uh, our man as the deputy director of defense. We're definitely going to pick water first, but uh, they can't. They don't. They don't want to stop there because the director of defense thing is also so fucking juicy, right? <laughs> but again, if it's so juicy. I feel like, and I don't know, I don't know the politics and the, and the, um, you know, the, the balance of power involved at the time well enough to, to say this, but I feel like they could have decided to really just think long-term on this. And it's also like, don't wait until Ellie gets captured to start the process of trying to get someone else in there. And yes, I, a hunt. I 100% agree with you, although I can't say I'm 100% sure that we're right, but we're in 100% agreement that they should have like decided, okay, we're going to send him back in, but we're going to change his mode of communication. We're going to dial it down and get less information necessarily from him, mm-hmm. but when we do, it's going to be the really, really fucking good stuff. Right. And And you bring in for that, I thought, same as you. Not necessarily a dishwasher, but <laughs> another another agent, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 a male boy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a, a courier, a courier. Yeah. And start start doing the shit with like some dead drops or something like, yeah, if that guy could get a job at like a restaurant, then Ellie just needs to decide, you know, as Kamir or whatever his cover name is that he just loves going to that restaurant. Right. (laughs) This is my favorite place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or another great cover would be like a, like a delivery boy. Right. That'd be dope. That Um, delivers food from the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whatchamacallit. Our guy in uh, the company um, I was just about to bring him up. You're talking about the the Russian kid that was in the U.S. that was uh, getting the codes from the radio program, right? Totally forgetting his name right now, but yes, hundred percent thinking about that guy. We need one of those guys in this situation. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like he just has like a job, you know, like just a random guy. And he's getting codes and sending codes and stuff like that. And that's all he does. You know, and this goes back to what we've been talking about throughout doing the spy on, on our podcast was it seems like Ellie is not only the sole, you know, uh, asset that's just doing stuff, but he's overextending his objectives so many times that are going to put big risks on him. When, when you should really focus on like getting the inches for later, you know, I mean, it pays off in the long run. If, 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 if it's not accurate historically for the story, it, it pays off well. Cause he gets such imminent, important information, but I, I, you're like, I agree with you. I, I, I'd like to think that they could get a guy in the country. 
you know, and it's not like they don't have the funds, right? Right. I think, you know, just to, just to button it up, especially at this level, if you're going to run the director of defense play, uh, he needs to not be operating alone anymore. Right. There's also, but you know, the thing that maybe held me back from bringing it up, I don't know. I don't really know exactly what the right play is. At some point, do you change up your um, method of communication or do you stick with what has worked so far? You know, if something's Mm -hmm. worked for a couple years, you're running two risks and you got to decide which one is better. One risk is that you've been running the same play for two years. Eventually the enemy is going to catch on mm-hmm. or you go with the idea of let's switch it up. And then maybe you're accidentally shifting into a different strategy, which turns out to be less effective. Very difficult decision to make. Yeah. Um, I did like, however, how the, the show portrayed getting caught Um Bashir is just kind of suspicious about uh, interference on a television, which triggers him. We already know he's got a stick up his ass and he's like super paranoid all the time. So that triggers him to kind of just drive around in a van with some communications experts picking up signals and they just discover the, the, the illegal signal. They just don't can't pinpoint where it is. So we get a bunch of cool shots of just these guys in a van driving around the block, trying to figure out where the signal's coming from. Usually like in a, a spy film or a show, they're just like, Oh, I'm picking up a signal. Oh, we're going to triangulate it. Oh, here's the guy. You know what I mean? Like versus this, like, especially back then, I'm sure it wasn't super easy to figure out the location. You know what I mean? Like you had to, yeah, to spend some time on it. And I, I like that they at least like kind of portrayed that. I, I thought it was- I do too. Did you catch that? That was the Russians. They brought the Russians in. Oh, really? Uh, to, I to did run, not run that for them. I did not, but I do like that the Mossad used the tracker made by the Soviet union so that it wouldn't come back to Mossad. Um, oh yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, um, I didn't, but- didn't realize that that's the, yeah. Very right. Good. So a couple of things on, you know, again, like how they eventually caught him. And again, there's kind of some conflicting reports out there mm-hmm. uh, in the on the Internet. Um, but, yeah, one of the ideas was they arranged for periods of radio silence so that they could isolate the signal. You had asked previously, you know, when he's using the walkie talkie, like, why can't these guys just, you know, wouldn't they be listening in? Well, yeah, you're listening in to the entire radio spectrum. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you're, if you, and you know, they use power outages, which is so fucking brilliant. Like Uh, mad plus spy points for this. You know, we see, you know, he's hanging out with his, you know, quote unquote friends and the power goes out. He's like, God, this is like the third time this week. What's going on? He's like, oh, it's not the same city. And then we find out these power outages aren't that they're having problems supplying power. Bashir is literally giving the order. Okay, now shut down the power to this neighborhood. Right. (laughs) And then we're going to tool around in a van listening uh, for signals. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting tidbit because I didn't get that in the show. So finding that is a really nice nugget to kind of bring up. 
Oh yeah, we see him in the van. Yeah, he says he says, "Okay, now shut down." Yeah, shut down power to this place. Oh wow. Um, oh, good catch on that. Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? That's super brilliant. I mean, what I had read previously, you know, cuz I snuck a peek at the wiki was just that they established radio silence, which that would have been also pretty smart, but also really hard to to manage is uh-huh. to like tell everyone like how you can't just go ahead and tell everyone to not use their radios mm-hmm. for an hour because someone in the people that you're telling is going to know that you said that. Yeah. So when it turned out it was, it was shutting down the power. Um, yeah. I, I kind of got a little chubby there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the trans, okay, I think that's a good segue to, I got two other main things I want to talk about, which is, again, back to Ellie's um, uh, habits with his transmissions. And then I also want to make sure we talk some about his final visit to Israel, which has also, I thought, some really good stuff mm-hmm. uh, and made episode six 100% my favorite and and made this journey completely worthwhile they say in the show they keep telling him like hey like eight o'clock in the morning eight o'clock at night that's it and he keeps transmitting outside of the established hours which Mm -hmm. supposedly is indicating that um you know he's not following orders as much as he should now britannica website is the only place where I found where someone actually cited that uh, he was mentioned as being very talented, but also tended to carelessness mm-hmm. a lot of times. So I was finally happy to find an, an outside source about that. Mm-hmm. But in the Britannica version, it's flipped where they say it was actually, he was repeatedly warned not to transmit at the same time every day. Oh, but, okay. that he, but that he was. Oh, so the movie flipped it. Okay, well, that makes me feel better about uh, some of our global intelligence agencies, that they, they're not going to be establishing patterns like that. That, that right. kind of hurts it, me. <laughs> it made me think, it made me think, well, which of those makes more sense right. to make sure it's always at the same t- time of day or that it's always a different time of day? And I even figured out, now you mentioned they could just have someone listening 24 hours, and that's true. Right. Um, But I even figured out a way that you could randomize it in a way that um, still would be known to both sides. And that was like this idea, like you randomize it by uh, sports scores or the price of corn or something in the newspaper that you work out a formula so that, you know, like... By by looking at like which soccer team won what game, right, and multiply that by the stock price of blah blah blah, <laughs> or you know how much how much corn has risen or fallen in the uh, commodities market, and and then you apply a, a simple formula or something that says okay the next transmission will be Tuesday at seven forty eight, right. <laughs> um. No, yeah. Uh, speaking of the soccer games, I, I liked the soccer game moment, even though it was silly. 
and I'm not sure if that's secure. In fact, I'm going to say that's not a very secure idea, but it was cute storytelling wise where you get like this guy deep undercover who's happy to see his country playing soccer and, and has like a bro moment, which I mean, it turned out to actually be his bro. Um, but uh, it was, um, it was nice. I like, I, I, I liked artistically how it played out. It kind of pulled on the heartstrings a little bit. I totally see what you're talking about. And I would have seen the scene the exact same way, except for the fact that I had peeked at wiki and knew in advance how he was ultimately caught. So for me, watching him continue to transmit, uh, you know, and just basically start chatting. Yeah. (laughs) You know, instead of just tightly providing the information uh, for me, it was like a rising sense of panic and uncertainty about him uh, really like getting sloppy. Mm hmm. Uh, is what, is what I felt. But again, um, I would have, yeah, I would have seen the scene the exact same way as you, if I hadn't already known that that was ultimately going to be, you know, part of the reason of his demise was just being sloppy with his transmissions. Um, so that I think is a fantastic segue. You mentioned the bro, it's actually his brother-in-law. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, picked up on, you know, he said, Ellie said, did you get the singer, which re- refers to the sewing machine he had sent mm-hmm. to his wife. And that guy in kind of a massive leap of an impressive uh, work of logic, I think, uh, notices the new singer sewing machine in Nadia's house and kind of puts two and two to, and two together. Uh, to realize that Ellie is Agent 88. Um, this was this was another, I think, I, I didn't get a chance to count them. I actually ran really close to time on uh, uh, finishing my notes before I had to work tonight. Mm-hmm. But uh, this side story, when he's uh, back in Israel, of someone in his family circle having figured out what he's doing uh, was really cool for me and something I don't think I've seen before. The, the fact that it was his brother. Just the fact that someone in his family had figured out. Oh, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone's under like cover of ignorance here, you know, Uh like, you know, he's gone for what, like years at a time or something. Now he's finally back. And right. And they hinted at the wife kind of figuring it out, but she's still kind of in the dark where she can kind of like trick herself, you know, but this, he's like certain, I know who you are and you need to stop because you're going to break uh, Nadia's heart. Yeah. I, I, I give that, uh, I give that my full endorsement as far as, uh, a short, a short but well told side story, to me. Yeah. Um, but e- what I like even more now there was a moment in the first. It's the first scene of the first episode. It's in the future. We know that he's been caught, 
and the guy gives him something to sign, blah, 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 blah. And then when it comes to signing his name, he pauses and the guy's like, you don't know who you are anymore. At the time, I was like, that seems like some bullshit. <laughs> uh I, I was I wasn't I wasn't happy about that. That seemed like very melodramatic and and over the top kind of thing. But when I see what has happened to him in his conflicts between his two identities when he's in Israel, I really got totally on board. Uh, your thoughts? Oh, I was, oh, I mean, this is the type of stuff I love in spy films. Is is when you're deep undercover and like you start confusing your identities it's 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 very taxing psychologically on on people um and i can only imagine what it is actually like for others to go through that i mean you know people would talk about heath ledger's like descent into mental illness probably leading to his death just playing the joker that was one movie he probably prepared like a year for and spent all his days being the joker because he's a heavy method actor this isn't method acting. This is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of literally being another person. It's gonna fuck with you, especially when you're away from your wife and like he didn't even meet his second daughter. You know, like it's that, that's gotta fucking be crazy. And then you know, uh, you, you know, like the Aristotelian, you know, humans are kind of creatures of habits type of thing, like. Once you start living that life, you become that person now. You, you're not, he's, you know, and that's why I think it was important that um, uh, Stan Beeman's character was like, remember, you are not Kamal. Even though the, the, the two people that were helping him get his gadgets and his clothes were like, you know, uh, uh, and his handler in um, Buenos Aires was like, you're not Ellie Cohen. You're Kamal. So he was taught to do that. Now he's being told, hey, you're not Kamal. Those aren't your friends. You're Ellie Cohen. Whatever you have to do to remember your to remember that, you do that. And um I, I love that shit in spy films. And I, I thought it was done very well in this. Especially like the con the the just complete like enragement he had at the department store when he's trying to buy shit for his wife while he's gone he comes back and his wife's not being taken care of while he's living this luxurious life and then they want his papers because he's an arab right uh-huh and here he is fucking surrendering his entire life for israel and and some fucking like you know uh, you know, John Wayne desperado fucking security guard is giving them shit. And like, you know, the little wife comment that guy make, you know, it's just like it that must be so rough. Like just being such a patriot and can't you, you gotta like bite your tongue type of shit. I, it, sorry, sorry for the the rant about this, but you y- y- you asked you asked the question and I had to give you the answer. I feel I feel him so a hundred percent. In in fact, this stuff this stuff also for me is what makes it, it's the highlight of the series to me mm-hmm. is the stuff that happens or comes out about him in his final trip to to Israel. Um, it's right, like how and and the the just the shock of going from being like so highly like respected, adored, you know, silk sheets, you know, all the money you want. To having to now, you know, be a nobody, yeah, an Arab nobody, 
in right. in Israel and not have any of the people around know how much you're sacrificing for them right. and how much of a hero they should re- re- regard you as. Right. Um I I I buy it so much. Um I love his line about like right now I feel like I'm pretending to be me. Like I I you know like I've I've been Kamel so long now here at home I'm pretending to be Ellie I'm pretending yeah. to be myself is how yeah. I feel oh. how horrifying is that yeah like my dreams I'm dreaming in Kamel like my dreams are the dreams of my cover person instead right. of my own fucking dreams yeah <laughs> um absolutely absolutely why I'm gonna uh. It's the number one factor that's going to give me a, a fairly high star rating for the show. Um, yeah, th- uh, like it's the last couple episodes really earned uh, my attention. Not not that I'm like that like like oh you got my attention. I'm just saying like you know I've I've been shitting on the show so much, and the last two episodes really fixed what bothered me and and executed the great ideas that Gideon Raff had been like planting and and really brought them home to where I felt like I was enjoying this journey we're going on. I am so with you. The first four episodes need a rewrite. But, like right. they need a they need a final pass. Yeah. But the first four episodes are what we get to the fifth and sixth episodes and those are the um those are the payday. Yeah. Um I think that's all the details I wanted to talk about. I do want to rate the show, but do you have any further details you want to talk about? No. Um, I hit everything. Um, yeah, the triangle event. Yeah. Signal patterns. Pumping one. Yeah, no. I, I hit everything I wanted to talk about and and more. So I think, right. I, I think what you brought up helped me kind of remember. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's something that we should talk about. <laughs> um. Let's, uh, you know, the soft debrief this thing. Let's do give it a star rating and a, and a park bench rating. Sounds uh, good. Overall. Um, uh, star rating. I, well, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say 3.5. Just now, fresh off of the stuff I just talked about is, well, no, I think that's where the 0.5 comes from. Overall, this is just a three. It's right down the middle for me. You know, I would have enjoyed watching it. I wouldn't have loved watching it, blah, blah. But I got to give it a bump for for just some of these uh, things that happen story-wise mm-hmm. in, in the final episode. Um, I, I actually am going the opposite way. I, I was going to give this a two until I finished it. Uh, but, uh, some of the stuff at the end really, really brought it home. So I'm, I'm going with a three on this one. Um, if, for those of you listening, if you, if you can't sit through some stuff, that's going to make you annoyed, maybe avoid it. But, uh, believe me, Todd and I will tell you the last two episodes definitely make it worthwhile and it's only six episodes. So considering today's binge standards, that's not that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm just gonna put it at a solid three because it's all, you know, as as much as I complained about the first few episodes, there's a lot of great ideas, and it just kind of ripped me out of the story with how clunky things were, and especially the dialogue. It just felt like a robot wrote the dialogue. So when they kind of cleaned that up later, and then those great ideas actually got to bloom, 
that were being set up, I it it, it, it grabs me. So I'm I'm gonna go with like a three on this. Okay, yeah, we're not that far apart. Um, just mm-hmm. yeah, core differences uh, in how much we appreciate the first four episodes and and how much little things annoyed us. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> a three and a three point five. Like yeah, we're we're you know not perfectly in sync, but that's yeah. not, that's not super far off. Um, before we get to park benches and and really, I mean, I think I could totally wrap this up with a park bench thing, but we did promise that we would talk at least briefly about comparing our four at my count four true or interpretations of true stories of deep cover spies. The four are Ellie Cohen, mm-hmm. the guy from Judas and the black Messiah. Do you remember his name? Oh, uh, Oh, that's right. Uh, Fred, Fred something. Not Fred, but the other guy. Um, oh no, Fred was the 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 leader of the group. Um, uh-huh. We're talking about uh, what's crap? I forgot. That's Wait, okay. Yeah, I think I think I can grab it super fast. We're talking about the mole. Yeah. Right? Uh, William O'Neill. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've also got uh, Sorge. From the Russian spy from Spy Sergei. Mm-hmm. And rounding out, we've got uh, the, the guy that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played in The Courier. Oh, okay, yeah. And his name was... Oh, I, I actually never knew his name. <laughs> Greville Wynn? But that was a real guy, right? Yeah, oh yeah, no, that was also- definitely that was definitely a very real story. Um, yeah, uh, they had that footage of him when he got back. Right. So, uh, I wanted to talk about some of this is actually story stuff, some of it's uh, tradecraft stuff. But well, let's real quick. Who do you think? Uh, and don't we don't we don't have to do a laboratory dissection of it. But um, who's the best? Of of the four, yeah. Like you know, realistic wise, or do who do I like the best? I, I, um, of the of the films, I think the Courier was my favorite as far as like a spy film goes. I know that you like the Courier. I think we're flipped on the Courier and um, and the Spy. I think uh, I think you like the the Courier as much more. Then, then you like the spy as me in inverse. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought the spy was actually the courier was like eh, kind of kind of math for me. Um, but in in particular, I wanted to talk about like some of these things, like commonalities that come up in spy movies. Uh, for the moment, we'll just treat this one uh, like a movie. And I had uh, I had a short list. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's at the top. Oh, okay. Um, poor wife, like sad, sad wife at home, wondering what her husband's doing. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Three out of four. Mm-hmm. Um, a handler that has okay training montage. Also three out of four. Or no, wait. Did we see Sorge get a 
training montage? Uh, not really. Uh, it was more just his climb up and his building his connections. I think he had already gone through his training or it was off screen or something. Suicide pills. Did the courier have a suicide pill? I believe so. Yeah, me too. Uh, William didn't. I don't think Sorgate did either. Um, getting caught is an interesting one for me. I think, you know, and William O'Neill is kind of our, he's in a lot of these, he's, he's our one that kind of stands out as being slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different era for sure. Different, different type of deep cover. Right. Uh, operation and also like in the case of William O'Neill it's interesting because he's not the main character of the show in fact both him and Fred were put up by those those that movie's creators both of them put up as supporting actors oh the noms yeah 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 Yeah. uh because they really are co-leads yeah in that one but in other terms like i just i feel like there's something to this idea that all three of our other uh deep cover true life spy stories are always like the person gets caught at the end Mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder if like we would ever actually see a story about a true to life spy that just skated through the whole time and never ran into like a third act dramatic problem because it just wouldn't feel like as a dramatic enough story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they're, they're kind of following like the Scorsese um, formula of look at how every, how great everything is. Look at how well this is going for our character. <laughs> and then third act is the fall from grace, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. Any, any, any thoughts on that? Do you, can you think of any, uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot pretty hard here, but um, do you, do you think I'm onto something there? Do you think we'd ever see a, a story about a, a, uh, true to life uh james bond that just ends ends the movie with like getting the girl and everything's hunky dory (laughs) or do you think it's an essential piece that uh they have to we have to see the arc of of them like uh eventually fucking up and getting caught and that we wouldn't be satisfied as audiences to watch any other kind of story yeah i i think i think i think it's the latter um I, I can't think of one off the top of my head that I've seen, um, but it seems to me like these deep undercover things. They, they, there's like a bit of like a, a hubris, you know. I th- like they brought this up in the Avengers films when they were recruiting all the Avengers. Like the like I think it was when they were recruiting Iron Man that he fit the bill, and it was just like an enormous amount of ego, you know. I I think f- for the ability to be able to put on a persona requires some amount of hubris. And then the capacity to like live this life for so long. I mean, like in real life, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have gotten away 
but for an audience, we kind of like to see the grand explosion. Like I think a realistic undercover story wouldn't be that interesting to most audiences. It, it would be interesting to you and me, right? Like I think we we'd be all over it, but for most audiences, I think they like the the rise and fall and the 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 big kind of uh, the self sacrifice of the big hero, you know. Right. And of course, in, in William's situation, you know, it's completely different, but he just has to, he just has to live the rest of his life haunted by the betrayal yeah. of, of really of kind of his race yeah, uh, in a lot of ways uh, that eventually led to his suicide. So even though he doesn't get caught, uh, I guess the universe catches him <laughs> Yeah, right. in, in, in the karmic trap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we could uh, uh, we could run a we could run a park bench rating on this just to stay consistent. I'm going to go. I'm going to open with a four um, because there's so much here that is really good, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 grading on a little bit of a scale for supposedly realistic. Uh, I think, I think we could have hit a five except for, uh, okay, well we're going to, I'm, I'm going to drag half a point down for Ellie's, uh, tendency toward carelessness. Uh huh. Even if that was a factual thing, got to give him at least a duck for that. And then, uh, my other duck is for, uh, like you've mentioned several times in this, uh, cast series and i agree with you that uh a lot of his flattery seems really blatant yeah. in a way that that i didn't care for right so i'm gonna lead with a four for the spy what do you think um i like it um i'm just kind of glancing at our previous numbers mm-hmm. and uh I go the Americans. Uh, uh, I don't. Ooh, the Americans. I, that's an. That's a very yeah. interesting co- uh, comparison there. And the night manager in Munich. I. I don't know. I feel more comfortable at a three point five, with uh, uh, like Samurai Spy and Spy Game, Three Days of the Condor. Like I think this is. More realistic than Atomic Blonde and Sneakers and No Way Out, but I don't think this should be amongst the Americans and the Night Manager and a Most Wanted Man. Huh. Well, I'll just take my one my one stab at convincing you up to a four. You can take one stab at driving me down to a three point five. Uh, my four is is I think you should bring it up because of uh some of the uh brilliant spy moves that he makes in this in this move in this series uh most of which are supported by the facts oh i okay i see what you mean that like historical accuracy is another one of our factors um the, okay yeah yeah okay i can go i mean that's kind of what we did with munich right we gave Munich a four, 
and I, I, I feel that's kind of on the same vein that you're saying that we have a lot of historical accuracy with this. Okay, I could, yeah. Right, You've convinced me. We'll, we'll call it a four. And for our next TV series, I've got some ideas, but you know whose ideas I really want to hear? Oh, there are listeners. Yeah. Please, please shoot us some email. We have a huge list of stuff to watch, but um, we want to know what you guys want to hear. Um, so definitely give us yeah uh, a heads up. We we're, we'd be happy to hear what you guys want to watch. Um, and we'll get to that. Uh, and how you can do that is go to spieslikeus.net and go to the contact page. Shoot us an email. Uh, you can tweet us at spies underscore like us um, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash spies like us podcast. And we will happily get back to you. Awesome. Um, as always, please, you know, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, find us if you're not already subscribed. Uh, we are the Spies Like Us podcast. Uh, you want to make sure you use the word podcast uh, in your search. Otherwise, all sorts of other stuff might come up. And uh, number one above all, especially for an indie production like this, word of mouth is king. The best thing, the best favor you can do for us if you appreciate our work at all is tell a friend if you like the show. And if you don't like the show, tell an enemy. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net.